0: I am Audrey Johnson, and this is On the Couch with Audrey J. Jackie Thompson, Ruth Azarde, and Leisha Chambly work with Prince and Business, Making Music, and other endeavors. They share their challenges and successes, and how the legacy has impacted them. So grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and enjoy the conversation. welcome to the very first episode of On the Couch with Audrey J. Today I have the distinct pleasure and honor of speaking with not one, not two, but three phenomenal women who were very instrumental and impactful at various times during Prince's career. Jackie Thompson, PRN Alumni Foundation President, Music Industry Executive, Entrepreneur, Ruth Azarde, Prince's Manager, Director of Operations, and I like to call her the Queen of Atmosphere, and Lisa Chambly, Recording Engineer and Entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, ladies.
1: Hello.
2: Hey, thanks for having us. Buenos dias.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's just get comfy um, on the couch as we just start to unpack um, the pieces and parts of Prince's legacy that impacted each of you and sort of kind of where you where we're going in the future. So what were you doing prior to joining Prince and was he even on your radar?
1: who wants to dive into that one? Um, for me, it's Jackie. Um, I think Prince has always been on the radar musically for me um, since I started playing music and back, you know, he was definitely influential in that sense. So he was always on the radar. I didn't necessarily think that um, he was on the radar to work for other than um, I thought that he was an amazing uh, producer and musician and and that, and then uh, as I, you know, started working with him, I, I I saw a lot of other elements of him that uh, were pretty pretty incredible. Um, what I did, what I was doing before, I actually uh, lived in Michigan, um, played in a band, uh, played music. Um, really was trying to decide where I wanted to go. I knew it was going to be music industry, business side. I didn't really have the urge to be on stage for the rest of my life um, and doing that. I didn't need, I didn't have that kind of calling. I'd love to play, but I didn't have that. So um, I knew it was going to be, I was always the one putting the branding and, um, packaging together and putting it, sending it out and getting in touch with A&R people. And it was just something natural that would kind of flow for me. So I knew that's the direction I wanted to go to uh, through. And, um, I went to university for a couple of years. Uh, I, they didn't have what the opportunities that, um, uh, I think that there is out there today from, for me, at least, you know, business and music, there wasn't really any type of, uh, 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 schooling and instruction and, and, and that. So I, um, I just kind of want, you know, was winging it, trying to figure out where I was going to go. Uh, and a couple years into university, I decided this was not going to get me where I wanted to be in my life. And so I dropped out and got a job at a radio station in Detroit. And that was the start of uh, my musical journey. And, um, as I was, uh, going every, um, you know, a couple days into the radio station to do, you know, the uh, internship stuff that you do. Um, there was a little record label um, uh, sign outside one of the doors on the, uh, in the uh, on the way to the, on the hall to the radio station. And one day I decided to knock on the door and I was just like, okay, it's time for me to do that. A guy opened the door up. Um, we started talking. I said, hey, do you, um, have an opening for internships, of course, free work. Uh, They're gonna take it. And uh, so I started working there and this guy had um, owned uh, a bunch of George Clinton parliament masters. And so he he would license overseas uh, the music, you know, in different territories. And so I learned about masters very early on, even before the importance of masters, even before uh, Prince, rammed it into your head that you were, you know, about masters and ownership, um, that, uh, uh, you know, it was important. That's the, that's the, you know, the, the essence of longevity musically for, for artists. And so, so I had already known about that. I had already started doing licensing and and learning about different territories and and that, um, uh, you know, which is a big music conference, you know, I, was a part of early on. And so anyway, long story short, migrated up to Minneapolis. I was trying to choose if I was going to go to LA or uh, New York. And I decided to go to Minneapolis. Um, I went up to do a show, loved it, fell in love with the city, fell in love with the people, the musicians. And I decided to network up there. Um, didn't have really aspirations as far as working at Paisley park. Um, it was um, I was um, working at a really cool, I'd done the different things. I wanted to get in management. And um, I had uh, started working, I wanted to know all aspects of music. So I started working at a, a club called Biscuits and Blues and booking, you know, national acts, uh, blues acts like out James and Sugar Blue and um, and became friends with different musicians around town. Mike Scott was a great friend. He called me one day and said, hey, there's an opportunity to work out at Paisley Park uh, in the um, uh, merchandise section, 1-800-NEW-FUNK. And, um, you know, I I put your name in the pot. I was like hesitant, talked to my mom. My mom said, maybe you should go check it out. Went, um, called him back, said, yeah, I'll be interested. Got the gig and then just um, worked my way up from there. I worked with Maite and uh, did the MPG dance company, then worked with him. uh, And then it grew. I started uh, running his MPG records um, and running Paisley Park uh, during 96 through mid 2000. So, so it was a lot of fun, a lot of amazing experiences. So that was kind of my journey quickly and hopefully, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) So,
0: but what sort of brought you to Minneapolis? Like how, how did you get there when you were deciding between New York and California? How did you end up just saying, okay, Minneapolis is now in the mix?
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I had sent a demo tape to Perspective Records, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, and um, about and, but I called before I sent the demo, and I um, weaved my way into talking to the A&R person. Her name was Sonia Cates at the time. Um, I'm really good friends with Sue Owens now and, and Debbie Morrison, but Sonia was uh, a head of A&R, so I weaved my way into talking to her. And uh, she said, sure, send the demo. I sent it uh, about a week later, Um, I sent the package. And then about a week later, she called me back and said that uh, she really liked the demo. She's gonna let um, Jimmy and Terry hear it. And, um, you know, um, pretty cool. She was a percussionist. So we had um, uh, mutual things in common. I played drums. And um, while, you know, they were kind of interested in us, but um, she invited she said, hey, you should come up to um, you know meet uh, they're doing a panel with uh, the Black Music Awards uh, with Pete Rhodes. Um, you should come up and, and check it out. And so I w- drove up, packed up packed up the, a couple band members and we drove up and we went to the black um, uh, there was a, com- a, a music conference and then the Black Music Awards. And so uh, I weaved my way into <laughs> as uh meeting pete rhodes and actually we became friends uh and um i met jimmy that night and i ended up in uh i don't know i remember how it happened uh uh, in a jimmy jams limo with ralph and a guy named buzz willis and it was just me and another band member and myself and, and jimmy and ralph and they were going to um record that night, I think Stone Cold Gentleman or whatever that Ralph Trousman uh, hit album that Jimmy did. So anyway, I ended up at, I don't know how I ended up in the limo, but I, we met our uh, management. Anyway, I, that's how I ended up in Minneapolis, checking out it. And it was my first experience there and it seemed pretty cool. Uh, and, um, and, you know, just meeting some people, it was, it was not. then I got invited back up after that. Sonia was doing a um, all-female, um, all-star jam session. And um, she wanted me to play drums. And so I came up for that. And uh, it was Jafita Steele and some, uh, she song and it was a great band, just all female. And that's where I met Craig Rice for the first time. He was in the audience. It was at the State Fair, not the State Fair, State Music, um, uh, you know, uh, State, the State um, Auditorium. And we played there and it was for um, homeless benefit and uh, I met Craig Rice there that night, that was the first night and it was in 91. And end of 91, it, cause it was really cold. So it was definitely um, that time, early 92 maybe. And I decided there that this was the spot for me. And I, I packed my stuff up and moved up in 92.
0: Legacy Connection Point, philanthropy. Jackie and Craig Rice, Meet at a benefit concert and ultimately establish and lead PRN Alumni Foundation, built on Prince's philanthropic interests. Um, who else wants to tackle that question next? I forgot what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing prior to joining Prince, and was and if he was even on your radar? Um, to work for.
1: Ruth, I know I was boring. Sorry. You I were not to... boring. I just, I, you just
3: <laughs> us on a journey, and Looks I was impactful. very involved in the journey that I totally <laughs> forgot what the question was.
1: You're so <laughs> sweet.
3: <clears throat> I get very invested in your stories, Jackie, and therefore <laughs> I am, bad. like, in the moment with you. I was there <laughs> in the limo with Jimmy <laughs> Jam and Roth <Ralph laughs> Tresvant. And we were, I don't know what his song was, but we were. it was probably some very cool R&B song that I was in the limo with you. You took me there. Um, but as far as Audrey's question is concerned, uh, good morning, this is Ruth. Um, uh, Prince was not on the radar. He was only on the radar at our church's prayer list. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much about it. <laughs> That's pretty much all I knew about Prince for the longest. Um, and then uh, uh, so working for him was never something I wanted to do because when I moved to uh, I, I so I uh, moved to LA um, to pursue it very in line with Jackie uh, to pursue a career in music. I wanted to be a songwriter and or background singer. Um, but I was really young when I moved to LA and I got screwed over by a lot of people. And I just decided, I was like, you know what? I I can't deal with these music people. (laughs) They are like so shady, not all of them, but you know what I mean? Like when you're starting out and you have a quote unquote producer and they just take your money and they don't give you anything. And just the whole thing is whatever. So I just kind of got a little disillusioned and said, you know, but I, but I love to, um, I, uh, I love to write uh, my musical journey did not go very far I ended up coming to LA anyway and um, I got a job working at the studio so I worked at Universal Pictures and made my way into um, the development which is where they green light and you read scripts and development happens and um, where the big major motion pictures come into, come to life and that during uh, the time that I worked there I worked for the executives at uh, I worked for uh, vice president, and then I worked for the chairman. But during my time, I think it was Gladiator, um, Born Identity, Fast and the Furious. Like that was all from Universal Pictures during a really a big boon for them. And um, I learned a lot there. And uh you know, there's a there's a different side, a very corporate side, um, where I was able to glean a lot of information from, and like high, very high corporate uh, uh, strategy meetings that I was able to participate in as being the the junior exec under the chairman, and um, uh, it it was definitely something that I was like very interested in until I realized. There's not a lot of autonomy in that, uh, so you kind of, the way the studio system works is is a little contrary to how I was feeling at the time, and the sort of things that were getting green light, I didn't agree with, but um, there weren't like, not enough uh, black and brown people on the screen mm-hmm. at the time. Fast and the Furious, I think, was the first one that they really started to incorporate it with more production dollars, and, I just thought, well, you know, I, I, you know, let me, let me try my hand. I was writing a lot, and I started uh, creating like uh, storylines and scripts. And um, I had a uh, Jonathan Demme, the late director. He was doing a movie with the studio at the time. And while he would always come early to his meetings, and while he would wait for my boss, he would sit and talk to me. And he was the one who encouraged me to move to New York and come uh, write and start pitching my stuff out there. And I thought, I've always been in love with New York. I thought, let me go and do this. And, um, uh, I, uh, as I was transitioning out of that, like I, I gave my notice, I, it was the end of 2003 and, um, I was looking, you know, flying back to New York, looking for, for apartments when, uh, uh, this opportunity for a summer gig fell into my lap and um i was asked like hey do you want this summer job and i was like uh doing what and they were like well you would be prince's assistant and i said well have you ever been a personal assistant i said no but I mean, like, how hard can it be?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Famous, Famous, last last words. Words. <laughs> Famous last words. Famous last <laughs> words. Good, Good lord, girl. <laughs>
3: yeah, girl. You know, you know. Jackie knows. Lisa knows. Um, but yeah, no. I I ended up uh, going. To but it was presented I, to you as a summer job. Like, yeah, it was on tour to go on tour with Prince for musicology. <laughs> okay. And so I went and I interviewed with the the publicist at the time, uh, the late and great Ronnie Lippin. And uh, she was lovely and, you know, warned me like, you know, he's a bit mercurial. Um, Can you handle that? And I was like, please, (laughs) like you have not met my mother. (laughs) And the history of people that I've worked for. Like I have very, I've worked with very high highly volatile individuals. So I was like, yeah, this is not gonna be a big deal. I don't care. Um but uh so I interviewed and they ended up hiring someone else. And um and I was like that's fine, you know, I was still on my trajectory to go to New York. Like I wasn't even worried about it because it was something that presented itself to me. And I thought, oh, three months or four months on the road, that would be, I can save money. I won't have to find an apartment right away. And you could still write. (laughs) I could still write. I was like, yeah, no, no problem. So when it didn't happen, it didn't phase me. I just kept on, you know, I was letting go my apartment. I hadn't, hadn't let the lease go yet because You know, I I still hadn't found a place, but I was slowly starting to pack up stuff that I may want to keep and put them, you know, in storage. And so I ended up getting a call uh, maybe within the month, a couple of weeks. And that other assistant did not uh, last, bless her heart. Um, So apparently I was probably like the fourth person. To come in, uh, and that probably should have been a warning. <laughs> oh,
0: <sorry. laughs> red flags, isn't that That's always that. the question no. that one asks? It's like, well, what happened to the person that had this position before me, right? <laughs> yes.
3: I, I mean, I did right. ask because, and I did talk to the to. She's she's actually a great woman. The woman that came before me, um, uh, she uh, ended up um, managing the forum after. After uh, oh, okay. her small stint she worked at House of Blues and then she ended up managing the farm her name is Tina um and she uh, and then she ended up uh, managing I don't know if she's still there but she was she was uh, handling all the logistics for uh, Madison Square Garden so and Prince loved to take credit for that he's like you see how Tina's doing now <laughs> that's because she <laughs> got to come up right like <laughs> Like Prince gave her the come up. I'm like I'm pretty oh, yeah. sure Tina would have been on her like trajectory with or without you. But okay. <laughs> Go ahead, and take a little bit of that shine, brother. Um but uh but I mean I mean that's kind of the thing. I know I know Lisa and Jackie know this about Prince that he would want us uh on some level to use his name to because that's part of like our our notch, right? It's he's not a notch on the mm-hmm. belt. He's like a he's like a big Gold star on our That's, forehead, because yeah, um, so. once you work with him, you kind of it. It is it is working with Prince is an all access pass, because yeah, he of, knew it too. He
2: yeah, he did. He it. did, which yeah. is
3: I think why you know, yeah. you know, he would do some of the antics that he would do because he knew he could yeah. kind of get away with it.
1: Absolutely, I got to um, say one thing that for me, this is Jackie um, and Lisa. You got to chime in, your man. Um, that. Um, Uh, the time that I've had since I've been with my, um, and left, um, I started my entrepreneurial journey and I would have it on my, uh, resume or bio, you know, his, but I had other like pretty substantial people on there. I mean, you know, and it would always like, they'd go, what you were for Prince. I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) And so I finally, I just kind of embraced it. I was like, well, I guess that's a, you know, I mean, it's pretty crazy that, you know, uh, and it's, and it's still like this to this day.
2: Yeah. It's instant so, credibility because yeah, I, I work with a lot of men in, in the audio industry and, and I can always say like, look, I recorded prints. Like what, what do you think this what is? I've recorded prints. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah.
2: Go ahead. <laughs> Ruth. <laughs> oh no, I think
3: I'm, I think I'm done. Cause I think she's, uh, she was just asking, you know, where where we were right what did we what were we doing yeah. before yeah. and then what were you doing uh, we got the yeah. gig and was prince ever on the radar and no he was not he just kind of um i've had like run ins with prince though and my my roommate when i moved to la was a huge prince fan on the creepy scary level <laughs> <laughs> and so i really was not like i really did think about it before like when they had asked me i was like Oh, let me think about that for a second. Cautious about the idea of working for Prince and all that, that could entail. But Yeah. I'd love to
2: jump in before Paisley. Hmm. Okay. So I definitely lived my life and, um, career on faith. And I, I <laughs> after high school, I grew up in, um, Massachusetts, but I was born in Minneapolis and most of my fam- family was there. So, um, after I graduated high school, um, I started on my co- collegiate journey and um, went to a couple different schools, and I ended up in audio school in Minneapolis. And, um, but I had been going to school for business because I always wanted to be a businesswoman. So, but when I, when I got to Minneapolis, I, I was hanging out with my aunt, and she was a singer, at the time, and um, she had all these different. She had a couple different producers. Um, she had this one guy, Sparky, who I think he worked with Prince um, back in the day. But um, yeah, so Sparky was one of her producers, and he had like a, a basement, uh, basement studio, like a little home studio. And this is we're talking about two thousand one, um, two thousand two. So. It was back when computers, uh, people were starting to do more music on computers. Um, that transition between analog and digital was happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, and then one of her other producers was Morris Hayes. So we go to Morris's house. He had this incredible home studio. Like, I mean, just every piece of gear you could imagine, you know, every light and fader. Like, what the hell? What is all this doing, you know? Um, so I got exposed to the studio life and I just, I knew I never wanted to, I didn't want to be the, the artist or even the musician. But when I started to see myself in the studio and see my place, I just totally caught the bug. Like I was a studio rat from, from then on. And um, so Morris was like, oh, my best friend is, is starting this school, um, Institute of Production and Recording. You should go. So um, that's where I met Jack Robinson. Um, and then I, I, I got taught by, you know, um, all these people who had worked for Prince. So I kind of became groomed to be at Paisley at some point. And um, it was definitely something for audio, every audio engineer in Minneapolis, for sure would aspire to work at Paisley Park. Um, I went to audio school for production. So I learned production. I was a studio like, and, and I learned engineering as well. Engineering got me into a lot of rooms, but I love production. Like production was my everything. Like just, it, it's just, it's more than just the engineering. It's, it's, it's everything. So, um, yeah, I was basically getting taught by Tom Tucker, who was, who was an engineer, mix engineer for, uh, for, for Prince. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Paul Peterson, we know. Um, So yeah, just all this kind of royalty that had been around Prince was, was, and then of course, Jackie was one of my mentors. (laughs) Uh, Jack Robinson (laughs) introduced me to Jackie and, um, Jackie, you remember take, that I I got to assist you on on a shoot in New York. Yes. Oh my it was, gosh! Uh,
1: it was uh, wasn't it Funk Master Flex? Or no, um, what
2: was it? I can't even remember the I details. Remember. I just remember yeah. it was just fabulous, and I was just like, "Oh my god, Jackie's so cool!" Um, you know, I can do anything. Like it just it just gave me a lot of. Um, courage to go out there because you know audio engineering it's still male dominated yeah. mm-hmm. and for sure white male dominated so it's like i was out here mm-hmm. black woman young black woman um you know just just hanging with the guys and it's a different kind of mode uh which we all know uh, that you have mm-hmm. to kind of g- work go into when you're in a male dominated industry um But I was on fire like I was so excited about everything. Um, And so going through school, yes, I aspired to work for Prince. But at that time, what I knew of Paisley Park, that it was dark, like it was it was in disrepair, like it was jacked Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. So I never knew like, oh, wow, I could actually work for Prince. Like what? but so at the same time, basically the same time I was in school around this, like ending school is when Dave Hampton was in Paisley Park, fixing it up and getting it ready for Prince to come back and record. In um, secret, right? <laughs> yeah, in secret. So... um so, yeah, I was definitely getting prepared. I was learning digital techniques, but I also was learning analog techniques because at IPR, they taught you. We basically had all the same gear as Paisley Park. So you, you, we got taught the same type of gear and, and how to approach the uh, analog um, recording and certain things because um, they did. I think that they did want, hopefully, people to be able to work at Paisley um, from that school
0: that concludes part one of this episode. Please follow, share, subscribe so that you'll be notified when part two is available and I will see you next time on the couch.